0: What a fun year what a fun year uh, happy new year family great day this um, this morning i uh, we have we have prayer i, I don 't know if you know, but um, we have prayer out here just early with uh, a lot of the people who are serving um, at uh, around it's supposed to be eight twenty five and uh, and we 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 have a prayer time this morning i was praying gave gave a a prayer word promise and uh, I said wow everybody needs to hear that this is a, a I believe this is a promise you need to add your faith to so I asked y'all this morning if he would <laughs> short short uh but if you would just kind of share that again with everybody and as
1: we were praying the Lord said go to um, Jeremiah 32 and uh, start in verse 40, in 40, 41, and 42, three consecutive verses. They're just coming out of captivity. And the Lord says, I'm going to covenant with you to do you good. And as I started praying that, I, the full impact didn't hit me till afterward. The Trinity is speaking. They're shouting. The season is changing. The year's ending. We're in a new one. So I just want to read it and pray it. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will not turn away from doing them good, but will put my fear in their hearts so they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in the land and the place that I have given them with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have walked with you in the great calamity, I will bring on you all the good that I have promised. Father, in the name of Jesus' covenant, word-believing people, we say yes to your word. You said you would turn the calamity and you would do us good. We thank you for that. We receive it. Heaven, open up and let the good flow. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exercise good in our lives. Restore what has been taken. Thank you for your goodness that it breaks forth on us. It's here and it's manifest and it begins this day and we will walk it out the rest
0: of our days.
1: In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. amen. Thank you, my friend. Huh. Uh, Al Houghton has a, he has a, um, a YouTube station and uh, if you want to get some deep stuff... Um, you'll want to take a look at Al's uh, station. He has some great teaching. Well, this morning, um, I'm expecting many of you are anticipating um, maybe some changes in the new year. Um, some of you are just, it's just another day, and for some of you, it's uh, a chance to make some changes, some it's kind of a, a, a date in which you will go from now on, I'm going to do something different. So you have New Year's resolutions, however you put it. And some of those resolutions are health-related. In fact, the majority um, in the country, uh, studies say that are actually health-related resolutions. Most people are saying, I'm going to eat different this next year. So probably tonight you're going to overdo it. Um, there's Some of you are going to do an exercise program. You're getting ready to, I mean, you're going to start running or working out in some way. Some of you, are, the, the health is just to take some more time off, that you have been kind of striving and you just need to slow down a little bit, and that's it. Some of you have family uh, resolutions that you want well, you want to you want to see your marriage improve. You want to see your family closer, and and you're going to make some decisions about carving out time and having quality time, and and making sure that your family has those times together, and getting any help that you might need. Some of you are making financial uh, decisions and resolutions that you're going to start saving more and spending less, and giving to God and tithing and giving your offerings. Some of you are determined to do that and you're making a resolution that things are going to change. Some of you are making spiritual resolutions that you're going to read the Bible more this year. You're going to do your daily devotions. You're going to attend church faithfully. That's what you want to do when you get started. In fact, we usually see at the beginning of the year um, in January, that attendance actually starts going up because there are pe- more people deciding I'm going to be at church more frequently. In all of these, we know that the majority of people will not finish the year fulfilling their resolution. But I want to say these resolutions are good things. I mean, most of them that people are, are doing, their, I, I, I'm not, there's nothing against them but I want to talk to you about something more important in all of this. In fact, I think it's the thing that has to be first for these even to be successful in our life of in fulfilling that. And I'm going to talk to you about, well, I'm going to talk to you about this new year. I'm going to talk to you about doing nothing. Does that sound good? i want to talk to you about the importance of uh, the disciplines, the discipline of learning to do nothing. And you'll see uh, what I'm about in that. But what, it, what is this all about? I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about life. What is life all about? I think if we go to the very beginning of the Bible... We can discover God's real plan for life. What, this, what is God's plan? What, did he, what, what was in his mind when he created all this? In fact, um, it's Dallas Willard that said, creation was nothing more than God playing. God decided to play. God, listen, most people don't understand the playful heart of God. That God has this playful heart. I I think it's why the scripture says that we're to be, in some ways, like little children. Because little children know how to play. I mean, they don't even have to have toys to play. I was listening to one person who was talking about their little girl, and uh, she had gotten in trouble, so she got time out. They put her in the corner, but no toys. And she was laughing. And uh, they asked her, they says, well, why are you laughing over here? She says, I'm seeing cartoons. Her imagination had gone, and there was no way to stop her from playing. She knew how to play. And we, God knows, see, there's, in the heart of God, there's this playfulness that we don't even imagine. Because somehow we think that power means seriousness all the time. And God has a playful heart, and I agree with Dallas Willard when he said God was just playing when He created everything. But He had a He had a a joyful heart. He has a light. He, God is more lighthearted than most people think He is. And so, notice in in the creation story um, that the bible says that he created every day he created something you know created light created the plants created the animals and when he was done it he said that's good that's really good like he's admiring his own creation that that was good you know and and it it's not a like an analysis that's good you know it's it's not it, it's not what um, an engineer would do. An engineer would make something and if it's good, he's analyzing and going, that's good. He's not saying that's good because the chemical makeup of that which I created is just amazing. How those plants, you know, photosynthesize and all, th- that is really good. No, God was doing it more in the sense of, of all that the purposes of it is. That's good. And then when he came and created us, human beings, he said, that's really good. That's really good. That was something that was incredibly special. And then God did something that gives us insight to his purposes. He gave Adam and Eve a purpose. He says, I want you, I want you to rule. And I want you to to, to have authority over the the animals and so forth in the garden. I want you to rule the garden. I want you to, to till the ground. I want you to take care of it. I want you to be in charge. I want you to manage it. This is your purpose. He did two things. He gave them a purpose, and then he just walked with them. The Bible says that God would walk in the garden in the cool of the day and I don't want you to get just kind of the physical imagery of that. We're talking about the almighty God it presence being in with the people that God had created. And Adam and Eve then, and, and, and in the story, I want to make, uh, understand that when God came to walk in the garden with them, it wasn't to evaluate how good they were doing gardening, He didn't come and say, I have a, I got you a book, seven, you know, seven things that you can do to be a good manager, or to be a good gardener, or to rule well. He didn't do any of that. That's not what this was about. This was not God giving them something to do and then evaluating how good they were doing at the job. It was about God giving them purpose and then wanting to spend time with them as he just walked in the garden with them. What would be the conversations? I don't know, but it would be generated by them and him responding. And God, fellowshipping is the term we get, communing, relationship. It It was Adam and Eve going for a walk. God kind of likes that a lot. There was a man in the Bible who walked with God. His life is defined by just this phrase. Enoch walked with God. And then one day God said, you know, I'm not coming down here anymore. I'm taking you up with me. And the Bible says he walked with God and was not for God took him. God just said, why don't you just come home? We're so close anyhow. But but what you see there is actually the purpose of God. And what we need in our lives is we need that to be the focus of our life. And so much can become the focus of our life other than that. That are even good things. You you notice in the list that I talked about, the resolution, some of that had to do with people going to say, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm going to do that. That, That's a good thing. These other things, I'm going to have prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede. That's good. Those are good things. But the thing that God created us for was to go for a walk with God. To be in quietness with God is another way people express it. Just a quietness. Just a solitary time with God. Which isn't always easy. We live in this world. The, the world we live in, or the time we live in. It is probably the most difficult time in history. To have quiet time. Alone time. We're in constant strife, and anywhere we go, we got the world in our pocket. And there's always something to to do, and always something to study, always something to learn, and always something to respond to. And and, and it's habit forming and it's constantly calling us. And there's another problem with the solitude time. In learning. And discovering God in that is solitude sometimes forces us to hear our own thoughts. And that can be challenging. Wanting, because sometimes we don't recognize where our thought life goes. It's kind of like, what do you think when you're not thinking about anything? Well, you're thinking about something. And sometimes those thoughts go in places of fear and anxiety and and places you don't really want it to go. And that solitude exposes that to us. But the value of it is worth working through that. Because the value can become a greater depth and intimacy with God. And because the world has been so noisy, the value of our solitude time is much more valuable. In in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, one of the most famous portions of Scripture that many of you know real real well, Jesus, um, Jesus made this statement. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely, lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your soul. Uh, for I will satisfy, because, because he's, and then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I was reminded of Jeremiah 31.25 where it says, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every, every languishing soul I will replenish. See, Jesus was offering us time with him that can lift the burdens that we have in our life. He uses this term yoke because... Everyone that would have been listening to him knows what a yoke was. It was a way in which you tied two animals, beasts of burden, they called them. It could be donkeys, it could be ox, it could be cows, that would carry the load. They'd tie them together and they'd pull the plow. And, and the reason they would do that is because two tied together could produce more plowing than two, the same two animals doing it separately at the same time. There's more power when two are doing it together. Sometimes they would actually have the, the, the yoke would be, one would be larger than the other so that one would carry the load or pull the load more and the other one was more like being there next to it, just so it had some something, some, you know, another animal that was kind of comfortable and, and comforting, and thinking that that animal was helping pull the load. And I think I think of the Lord that way, that we're kind of the ones there, and He says, "I'll okay, I'll take care of the load, you just walk with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull the plow. We're gonna get the job done, but will you be with me while we're doing it?" And that's when Jesus is saying, listen, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But that might be because we are not taking advantage of just walking with God in the cool of the day. Just those moments, those times that become a focus of our life where we get alone with God with no agenda. It's not wrong to get with God with an agenda. It's okay. You can come into the presence of God with prayer requests and desires and, and all, you know, all the things that relate to what God gives us and, and things that we need to walk through in our life. That's okay. But we need a time, and it doesn't have to be long. I think, for me, if I just start it, it tends to get longer just because I started it. And it's just a time where you just sit before God, and you don't even have to say anything. You can just listen. Quietness is a good place for God to speak to us. And in that, in that stillness and solitude, it's not marked by what you do or don't do. It's just marked by being there. John Mark Homer says this, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That lifestyle of Jesus was to get together with the Father. That's what he did. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus Jesus had a garden that he went to. Kind of, maybe there's something special in, was in his heart about gardens, where it all started with Adam and Eve. But Jesus used to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he would spend time there with the Father, and he would spend time, sometimes just being there with the Father. It's not about trying to have deep experiences with God, because see, the, the expectations don't really need to be there. You know, if I go and I'm have a quiet time with God, I'm going to have it. You know, I'm going to sense His presence. He's going to overwhelm me. It's going to be so wonderful. And, and that's why I'm doing this. And that's not the purpose. It's just being with him. It, we, we don't have to have an agenda. We just have to be there so he can be there and he can speak to us and we can be in his presence. And when we start doing that, some things start to change. And i want to just share, there's more to this than what I'm sharing, but I wanna share five things that if you will just carve out nothing, you'll get something. And these are the five things I think you're going to get because I found this to be the case. You start seeing God in everything in life. It's in these moments of quietness that, you, that God starts to reveal that he's there. I mean, he's always there. But the people who have the most joy, the people who have the most sense of God, are the people that see God all the time, all around them. God's there. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's always doing things. And those who are more sensitive to the presence of God, those who walk with God, well, they see God in action when others don't. Same same experience can happen and one will see God right in the middle and see what God is doing and others will be to- totally oblivious to the fact that God was even there. And it's, it's in those quiet times with God that you start to recognize him and sense him and realize his presence. So I need to arrange my life ab- around the recognition of God, but the only way I can do that is in these quiet times with God. The, the, the second thing is you start releasing things you have been holding on to. In some ways, somehow, in the, those moments with God, those times of quietness with God, the things that you tend to seek for and have to have aren't as important anymore. We strive for things. And sometimes just, just that simplicity, that putting God first in everything in our life. You know, we're about, and the reason so many will be trying to make changes at the beginning of the year is because we're about improving. A lot of us, that's our life. We want to do better. We want to achieve. We want to win. I um, I just started um, playing softball um, again. Playing baseball, I played uh, hardball till I was about sixty, and um, and so um, Tim Murphy and uh, and John Stewart talked me into this. And they they played. It's an old man. It's an old guys softball league. So I apologize ahead of time that you might be getting. More baseball analogies over the next year, right? just possibly. But I was, so it was my first game, it was a practice game we had this week, and it's just once a week we have a game. And, uh, and so they were introducing me, and I was talking to one of the guys. He said, He said, there's just two things you have to, that were about. He says, One is have fun, he said. And then he said, And second, he said, don't get hurt. That's the goal. Now, listen, there are, um, when we're talking older guys, I'm one of the younger guys. There are guys in their eight, mid to late 80s playing in this thing. And I said, I said, yeah, I mean, when you get to our age, I said, you don't really, you know, winning is not a big deal. He oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he says, you won't find that out here. <laughs> he says, these guys can go crazy competitive says, that's how an 85-year-old is out on a baseball field. If they weren't, they wouldn't be out here. I said, oh, yeah, I take that back. <laughs> I got it. But we all have some of that in us. We do want to do better at whatever it is. We want improvement. And all of these things here, the, the things that release us into the proper heart and the proper attitude for any adjustments that we need to make in our life come from our relationship with God. That starts in that quiet moments with God. It comes with the time we walk with God, and we and He w- walks with us. and And then things change in your life. You you start. Number three, you start being free from the need for approval from others. I want to say that again. You start being free from the need for approval from others. I was talking to a, a, a man, um, man of God, this last was last week, and it was um, we were talking just about life, and he I had known him for many years. And uh, he grew up without a dad. And uh, and he said that the biggest challenge for him in his life was because he didn't have a dad, he was always looking for approval. He was always looking for, you know, he needed that, you know, pat on the back and all of that. He said, and Jesus, but Jesus freed him. Jesus became that for him. It was his relationship with God freedom for this constant need for someone to pat him on the back and say, you're doing a good job. I mean, that always feels good to everyone, but it's different from s- receiving something that feels good and having a deep need for it. When that is a deep need for it, you don't make good decisions in your life. You make the wrong decisions. And so the, the kingdom of God, well, in your time with God, what you discover, it's his kingdom, not your kingdom. And that's what this is all about. It's about his kingdom. And it's his kingdom that you seek for. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. But but when you have enjoyed this playful God who has this joyful heart, this playful heart, what you look at when you, it comes to seek first the kingdom is not a striving. It, it's not striving. It's thriving but not striving. And I'm not striving for, I'm not striving for the kingdom. I think of the kingdom as something that, well, it's a treasure, it's an adventure, it's the pearl of great price. I pursue God's kingdom, not in I have to be kingdom-minded first, it's I get to enter into the kingdom of God. I get to operate in the kingdom of God. Who wouldn't want the kingdom to be first in my life? Number four, you get a quiet confidence that he can handle anything. Where do you go when everything is out of control? Where is it that you go? Listen, if all you go, it's immediately all you do is fall down and just start pleading with God for breakthrough, I think you might be missing something because what you really need first It's okay to do that. But what you really need first is to get alone quietly with a God who can calm your soul, who can calm your heart, who can help you process things before you make any decisions. That you're able to hear God because that's where you hear God is in that quietness. It's not in your anxiousness. Your anxiousness will drown out the voice of God. It's in your quietness that you hear the voice of God. There's a great story in 2 Kings 19, the story of Sennacherib who was coming down with the army of Syria. The Assyrian army was the most fierce, maybe the most fierce army that ever existed. The, the, the military of the Assyrian um, was they were as cruel as you can't even imagine. And the the way they operated, not only did they demolish their enemies, but they humiliated them in the worst ways and caused the greatest amount of suffering as they could so that no other army would be, even be willing to go up against them and they would surrender before they got there. They, they would carry li- literally... Necklaces with ears and nose and body parts of their enemies around their neck. They, they would skin people alive. Their city had mounds of skulls. They would go in and completely annihilate the, their enemies so that they wouldn't want to even, I mean, no one would want to fight them. And they were really good. They were, the, they were the best trained soldiers with the most modern military equipment of the day. And they were coming against Israel with 185,000 soldiers. And, uh, and Hezekiah begins, they begin to pray. And in the 46th chapter, in fact, if you would read that whole chapter, we don't have time to do that. But in that chapter, the writer is talking about who God is, not who the army is. it, It is at the time of this war coming, and the writer is talking about how fierce God is. There's this army coming, but he's not talking about the army. He's not talking about the enemy. He's not talking about the problem that they're facing. He's talking about the God who is fiercer than any army. And, he's, and it's a God who shakes the mountains, and it's a God who, you know, calms the seas. And it's a God that no one can defeat. And as he's talking about it, he comes to this portion in verse 10 of chapter 46, and it says, be still. And it's interesting because that word be still also can be translated stop striving. Stop striving. Be still. Stop striving. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Be still. Why? Because sometimes nothing is better than something. Sometimes just being still before God is better than anything. This is the confidence that you see in some people in the middle of incredible storms that most don't have, quite frankly. They don't have it because... They have, they don't have the nothing. And so you start, you, you, you start this quiet time and things start taking place in life. You start seeing God in everything in life. You start releasing things you have been holding on to. You start being free from the need for approval from others and you get a quiet confidence that he can handle anything and i just would say the fifth thing is you start meeting people without evaluating them evaluation up front is normal that's what we do we see someone we look at them We make evaluations based upon first appearances often. God doesn't. In fact, the Bible says man looks at the face or the outside appearance and God looks at the heart. And so since we can't see the heart, if we're going to be like God, we won't make evaluations when we first see people. And it becomes this. In fact, if there's anything that is really wickedly uh, perpetrated in our culture more than any other time we've been, th- th- it's it's that right now. Our culture has been divided by externals, and it's it's evil, and it's horrible, and it's ungodly, and is not Christian. And because of that, people are being evaluated immediately. By skin color and everything else that you can imagine. And people already have a hard enough time. Now that the culture is striving to push it, it makes it even worse. But when we are with Jesus, there's something that takes place because we're with Jesus. As we see him as in a mirror there's a transformation that happens in our life. And we start thinking like Jesus thinks. Because in that quietness, you can hear your own thoughts and you can hear his words. You you can hear Jesus lovingly making adjustments in our heart when we spend time with him like that. And that's the only way I know of. The Holy Spirit begins to work in our life that way and transform us. And I have found that the people who have the discipline of nothing are the best at not judging. They're the best at accepting. They're the best at loving. Those are the people who are the best at it. And I believe that when you spend time, that you become better at that. When you become when you spend time, do nothing. Well, you know what I mean by doing nothing, don't you? Yeah. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and says, do nothing. now some of you are t- going to take it too far <laughs> and you've, g- you've got your lounge chair and you're ready to go <laughs> but that quiet time with God really away I don't know that you can do that effectively unless it's someplace quiet we have to carve it out and we have to find a place but there's a place for you and it will change your life in 2024. You'll come to the end of 2024. I believe that many of you will come to the end of 2024 and you know know those resolutions, you'll finish it because you will have gotten strength from the one, the only one who can really give you that kind of strength in your life and transform you because what has to happen in our life have to happen from the inside out. And that comes from, from him. So walk with him. Walk with him. Amen. I'm to the worship team to come on up. And uh, <coughs> remember, I can't remember the, um, some of you would remember the band that used to sing uh, The Sound of Silence. (laughs) I won't sing it, I'm tempted to, but I (laughs) won't. Yeah. But there's something beautiful about silence, isn't there? God, God made it, he made that for us, amen. Father, I pray, I pray your blessing Lord, as you have spoken already this morning to us, that, Lord, it starts today, that, Lord, today, Lord, good things are coming our way this year. And, Lord, I pray that the best thing will be, will become, is coming our way this year. That, Lord, we're people who walk with God in the cool of the day. We're the ones, Lord, who in quietness hear the voice of God and find that God is sufficient for us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Wanna to, wanna to sing to him? Can we do that? Let's stand. Mm-hmm.
2: I want to sit here at your feet Caught up in this holy moment Never want to leave
0: I'm not here
2: for blessings Jesus, you don't know I'm sorry, when I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry, when I just sang another song, take me back to where we started. just want you, nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do, I just want you, nothing else. going to stay in this attitude of worship. I want to invite the prayer teams up at this time. I want to dismiss you if you need to go. Happy New Year. God bless you. If you want to remain in worship or you want prayer, we invite you to stay. God bless you, church. I'm sorry when i just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song.